We welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I am your host, Mitch Album. Glad to be joining you. I am the author of the book, Tuesdays with Maury, in case this is your first time to the podcast. This podcast, inspired by that book, written back in 1997 and still pertinent, at least for me, and it seems a lot of people around the world. Today, the lessons that I learned alongside my old college professor as he was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease. They were lessons for life, and of course, life goes on, and we talk about one of those lessons every week. This week, we find ourselves just a few days away from Father's Day, and we thought we would make that the theme of today's program, because I've got a lot to say about that, and Maury did too. Alongside me, as always, is my friend and producer of this podcast, Lisa Goich. Hi, Lisa. Hello, Mitch. So Father's Day is uh, coming up this Sunday, and my first recollections of Father's Day is that it never compared to Mother's Day. <laughs> That's when that I was growing up. True. That is true. Mother's Day that is... was such a fuss. My dad was always about the big deal we needed to make for my mother. There were cakes. There were restaurant trips. There were huge cards and drawings that we made to appreciate our mother. And then Father's Day, I seem to remember there was a small jar of brute aftershave that you said that was basically it an aftershave maybe a tie uh and the cards were never as big and the fuss was never as large mostly i recall that my dad didn't have to mow the lawn on that particular day uh because it was always june and summertime and he would mow it on a saturday so that on sunday he could just sort of sit back and relax and smoke his pipe as i remember and it occurs to me that that Father's Day, as you say, Lisa, still has a bit of secondary status, wouldn't you say, to Mother's Day? Yeah. Why do you think that is? Even when I was, well, I don't know, when I I was a waitress, you know, in college and mm, probably after college for a little bit. And uh, I will tell you, Father's Day at the restaurant, regular day. Mother's Mm. Day at the restaurant, lines out the door. And Mm. it's still that way. I don't know. Maybe it's because there's still that thing about, you know, your mom cares for you. And I mean, dads care for you, too. But it's like your mom makes you all those nice meals. And am I being sexist here by excluding Uh, the poor men who make all the nice meals? Yeah, well, Uh, (laughs) I think the old concept of Mother's Day and Father's Day doesn't doesn't go well with today's world. But neither do a lot of things anymore. I I thought it might have been that we lived, especially back then, we lived at a time where fathers got a lot more of the glory. Fathers were at work. Fathers were the breadwinners. Fathers got the promotions, fathers got celebrated, and mothers didn't have as many celebratory moments in terms of accomplishments or things like that. And I thought there might have been sort of a a feeling like, well, we really need to to celebrate Mother's Day and celebrate what our moms do on this day because dads get all the credit all year long, but moms are who were staying at home didn't get as much. I thought it might have had something to do with that and that there was a sense that fathers really didn't need another day to celebrate things because after all, it was a man's world. It's a man's, man's world. And so why why does a father need another day? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't think that might not be it. I don't know why. And it's also not, it's, it's not a good reason, even if that was it. 
No, I think they just hype it more. How about that? Yeah. I think that that the cards sellers and the stores and restaurants and you know flower people they all just hype it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Father's Day should be celebrated because it's it is a, a really really important role, and there are so many ways. So many ways to be, I think, a father and a good father. And there are a lot of ways to be a bad father. Uh, and Maury, when he was growing up, his father was not close to him. He didn't communicate well. Uh, his mother died when he was young. And then Maury's father remarried. And fortunately, Maury really took to the woman he remarried, his stepmother, and and considered her for the rest of his life his his mother, even though he remembered his birth mother. Uh, but his father was a a uh, a difficult man, and apparently also um, a man full of fear. And mm. when he uh, when he died, it was rather tragic. Uh, I'm going to play you play you this because um, it's almost an incredible story to hear how it happened. Listen to Maury explain the death of his father. My father actually died from a heart attack on the street after he was accosted by some robbers in really? New York City, yeah. They didn't hurt him or anything, but he the had trauma. a bad heart. Yeah. The trauma, he threw the wallet on the floor and started to run to where my stepmother was. Right. When he got at the doorstep, he dropped dead. So that's a tragedy. And wow. What I remember Maury sharing with me and he was he was in tears when he told me this part of the story that he had to go in and identify his father at the city morgue because there was no one else Jeez. to do it. And he was the person to do it. Listen to uh, his recollection of that. I had to identify the body. The morgue going to the morgue. It was a eerie, dreadful experience. Tell me about it. Well, remember going in, seeing him behind this glass case, looking at him, feeling frozen, recognizing his face. But I couldn't let my emotions happen. I did later, but right then and there I was just holding myself together. Why, because it was a public place, or? No, no, I was there alone. Mm -hmm. But I just could not experience his death. You know, it was just too hard. And it wasn't how it would be today. I was not open enough to the horror of it, because I guess I felt it would have been horrendously painful. So I held myself together. I didn't stay very long. And I walked out. I told the mess. That was him. That was And that was it. That's a tragedy. And as, as you hear Maury say at the end, he, he couldn't really mourn his father. Here he was this kid basically in a, uh, a morgue 
and he was all by himself, and so he didn't have the right emotions to express it, and he kind of buried that, pushed it away, pushed it aside, and never really got a chance to mourn for his father that way. And I think when we talk about fathers sometimes, one one of the things that tends to go with it is that fathers are often thought of not expressing themselves the same way that mothers do. They keep feelings inside, including the mm-hmm. pride in their children, including the joy that their children bring them. Uh, you know, you, you mm-hmm. I can always remember my mother delighting in me. I can't really remember my father delighting in me, if you know what I mean by that. A, a moment where um, he just grabbed me and hugged me and and, and said, you know, you're so great. Or the, whereas my mom would do that all the time, you know. And and yet I knew somehow deep down that he felt that way. And late in his life, he told me that. But I can't really remember a lot of times where he demonstrated that, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Fathers well, it could often be get that too- hit. Yeah, with boys too, I think it's different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's a different relationship between fathers and boys and fathers and their girls. Right. I think that's slightly different just a different dynamic and maybe the same with mothers and boys and mothers versus girls. Uh, you know, it, it's a weird uh, thing. Right. But yeah, so my I, dad, I, I was close to my, yeah. oh, I was going to say I was close to my dad when I was little. Like I remember I would lay in bed with him and he would read me bedtime stories every night. Then somewhere around the teenage years that all faded away, you know, hmm. and I'm not kidding you, right? Not until my mom died, did we get close again. Hmm. So it took almost a lifetime to wow. reconnect it's wow. just it was odd yeah well i know you're you're going through uh, a lot with your dad right now i know he's 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 uh he's fighting the good fight and and uh he's been blessed with a lot of years uh, but um yeah. i know that you have some thoughts about that yeah i mean 99 years right now and he's uh yes at this very moment in time he is fighting right now as we are recording uh, you know, it's weird because he's been going so up and down, you know, and I think anybody who has parents that have been ill, you, you sure. hang on to those really up moments thinking it's going to be that they're on an upswing and that they're going to be healing. Right. And then, oh, the next day brings something else. So, you know, yeah. we're in the middle of that roller coaster right now. Well, one of my other conclusions is that fathers often are not appreciated just as fathers themselves sometimes don't communicate their appreciation or love of their children as well, perhaps, as as mothers do while they're here. Fathers often are not as appreciated while they're around as they are after they're gone. And to that end, I want to read you something that I wrote in the book Finding Chica, which is my most recent book about our little girl that we adopted uh, from Haiti and how we traveled the world with her trying to get her cured from this brain tumor that she had when she was five years old and how we became a family in our own way. And in the book, I, I write the book basically to Chica, even though she had passed away by the time I started writing it. But I, I wrote it basically as sort of like a, almost a love letter to her and a conversation with her. And I want to read you this part about my father, because to me, it, it says what I waited sort of a lifetime to say about him, even though he never got a chance to read it. And so it's written in a conversation with Chica, and it starts by my saying, I should tell you where my notions of fatherhood come from, Chica. My father was a good man. He lived to be 88. 
You met him once when he was gray and stooped and confined to a wheelchair. But when he was younger, he looked a good deal like I do now, although his whiskers were thicker and he combed his hair back in the style of the day. His name was Ira, and he grew up in Brooklyn, a middle child, like me, between his sister and a brother. His father, my grandfather, was a Polish immigrant, a plumber, who taught his son to work with his hands only until he could work with his mind. My father went from high school to college to the Air Force to an accountant job. He was not one to wander. My grandfather was quiet, and my father would follow suit, and we, his children, my brother, sister, and me, grew up expecting the words that came from his mouth to matter. I can never recall the man going on about anything. He said what he had to say and was done with it. He had a deep baritone voice, he once dreamed of being an opera singer, which made even his simple remarks sound serious, and he was serious most of the time. My father was an early riser, fond of coffee and big band music and reading the newspaper, a patient, industrious, and impeccably groomed man. His suits were always pressed and his shirts were always tucked in, even on weekends. He made us scrambled eggs with salami, which we loved, an albacore tuna salad, which he mashed so diligently it was as spreadable as butter. He never sought attention. He had no hobbies that took him away from us. No golf, no card games. He embraced the value system passed down to him that a man provides for his family and his contentment is found in that. But there was, beneath his efficiencies, a warm, protective aura, a soul upon which others could rely. When my mother's father died of a heart attack, she was just 16 at the time, it was my father, only 17, who stepped in and took control of the household. Although they'd been dating for less than a year, he cooked breakfast for my mother's family, did chores in the afternoon, and became a father to her young brother. That's a lot of responsibility for someone still in high school. But if you knew my father, you would have said it suited him. He was, from my earliest memories, the person others came to for advice or aid or money. He did not flinch from these requests, but as the years passed, I wondered if he ever missed not having a carefree, youthful stage. Sometimes life throws a saddle on you before you're ready to run. In any case, he never complained. I always felt safe around my father. I have a memory of swimming with him in a local lake when I was maybe six years old. We would go there on hot summer days, many families did, and I was paddling away to explore the way children do. Don't go too far now, my father said. But I kept going until it felt like I'd reached foreign waters. Suddenly, some older boys who were horsing around pointed at me and yelled, Let's get him! I don't know what motivated them or how serious they were, but I remember feeling terrified acutely aware of the distance I had drifted from my dad. I swam as I had never swum before, splashing wildly, gulping water, certain those older boys were going to grab my legs and pull me to some hidden underwater prison. As I reached my father, I hurled my arms around his midsection, gasping for air. When I peeked out, the boys had gone. My dad barely moved. He never asked what happened. But to this day, to this day, I can still feel his waist in my wet grip and the comfort it gave me. For many years, that was my perception of fatherhood, a place where a child can find sanctuary. Perhaps that's why I took over the orphanage in Haiti. Perhaps I've grown into my father that way. As I said, you met him once, Chica, when we took a trip to his small one-story home in California, remember? This was less than a year after my mother died, and he was diminished by her death more than I can explain even beyond the strokes that robbed him of walking and clear speech. 
They had been married 64 years, and he was heartbroken without her. I'd hoped that meeting with you might lift his spirits. When we arrived, I said, Chica, this is my daddy. And you were hesitant, perhaps surprised that I had one. But you hugged him and you called him Pop Pop. He noticed your flowered headband and said weakly, That's very pretty. Later, you sat on a couch across the room and joked with his nurses. You were being silly and noisy, and he turned to me and said, She's very loud, no? I tried to remind him of your backstory, your medical challenges, all the treatments we were trying. I'd shared this many times with him over the phone, but I never knew what he remembered. In the old days, my father always responded thoughtfully, but near the end, he mostly shrugged. Age is such a thief. As we watched you joking around, I mentioned that you'd been here six months already. I had no idea how much effort this took, I said. My father coughed and straightened in his wheelchair. I wasn't sure he'd heard me. Then, in a thin voice, he said, That's what having kids is. When my father died, Chica, I felt rudderless in this world, with a deep, anguished yearning for a comfort no longer there. I missed him more than I ever imagined I would. And my brother and sister told me the same thing. He was a man more appreciated once he was gone, no longer doing all those things you took for granted. They say as you age, you become more and more like your parents. And perhaps that is true. If so, if I ever offered you security the way my dad offered it to me, then I am glad. I know I tried. I remember times when you and I were walking and without prompting, you reached out and took my hand, your little fingers sliding into mine. I would like to tell you how that felt, but it is too big for words. I can only say that it made me feel like a father. And nearly all of what I learned about that role, I learned from the man who raised me, and the rest I learned from you. Perhaps it is no coincidence that the day we buried my father was the day you came back to me. I think about that a lot. That's as good a description as I can give you wow, of my father. Wow, And how I felt about him and, and the notion uh, of fatherhood. That's so beautiful. I only wish that I had had a chance to read it to him when he was alive. Yeah, That's my big regret. I know. And the point that I want to make about this podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Here's the point I want to make. Probably the two best things that I ever communicated about my father was what I read you just now and his eulogy at his funeral. That's not the way it should be. Take time on this Father's Day, particularly if your father is older, and instead of saving a bunch of laudatory words for a eulogy, write it now. Write that appreciation yep. that you have for your father now and give it to him. Maury, one of the uh, most endearing things that he did in battling his terminal illness was hold a funeral for himself 
months before he actually died. He had gone to a funeral. He had heard all these laudatory comments and tributes. And he came home. He said, what a shame. You know, my friend never got to hear any of that while he was alive. And so he organized a living funeral. And he had all the people gather around who loved him and who cared about him. And they all sort of stood and said what they loved most about the quote unquote deceased. Only at the end, the deceased was able to stand up and and thank them all for coming. But that was, you know, Maury had that because he, he knew there was sort of a time limit. We don't all have that. And very few of us do. We don't know if this is going to be our last father's day with our father, but I can tell you that I don't know, there's some sense of like, well, let's not really appreciate dad and, you know, right now, or there'll be time for that. And then, and then dad's gone. And it's rare that you see people wax on about family members, the way that they do about their mothers when they remember them, and particularly guys about their fathers. My father, my dad was, oh man, my dad was, my dad was, he was a tough guy. My dad, there was this time when my dad, all these amazing stories where they, you know, kind of take all this pride in their father and the way that he did things. And I always want to say to them, but did you tell him that while he was around? Mm -hmm. Or are these just great stories now that he's gone? And so write whatever your version is of what I just read. And read it to your father on Sunday because I wish I had been able to read that to my father on a father's day or on any day, but I didn't. I didn't formulate the thoughts until after he was gone until I really realized becoming a father myself uh, in the form that I did. Did it really, really hit me? What a thankless, um, generous, all encompassing act that was to be my father and to be there for me and and all that time. Right, Lisa? I feel exactly the same, Mitch. I've had, you know, I've been home with my dad a couple of weeks. Uh, I popped back for a couple visits and I made sure to tell him all of those things, like that he was a great dad to us. You know, he, he didn't come from a lot of money. Uh, you know, he, but he made sure that we went to college and that we made something of ourselves and he worked very hard for us, you know, and I, I made sure that he knew that. So I wish I would have written him something though, like you wrote, because that was so beautiful. And now my dad, I mean, let's say he bounces back from this thing that's happening today. He can't even see paper anymore. Like he can't read to see, like see to read, you know? Well, then you can read it to him. Yeah, I could read it, but he can barely hear. So it's well, a, then you can it's yell a challenge. It to him. Yeah. I could yell it to him. Yeah, yeah. I know. I hope I, I hope I have the opportunity because I will start working on that now. Yeah, you know, that's well, really beautiful. It's a, it's, it's a, it's an exercise not just for them but for you, and uh, yeah. to, 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 for all of us to put our collective thoughts about our fathers into words which just for whatever reason seems to be something we don't do very often. Uh, Again, Mm -hmm. it goes back to where I began the podcast. Father's Day was always taken a little bit more for granted. Father's always taken a little bit more for granted. uh, and, And yet that ends up resulting sometimes in not saying the things that you know you feel inside because you 
take it for granted that they know or take it for granted that yeah. they don't they don't really want you to mush over them or fuss over them. How many times? My dad doesn't yeah. like a fuss. He doesn't like a fuss. We didn't do anything for Father's Day because he doesn't like a fuss. Well, make make a fuss. Make a little fuss. Yeah. Because uh, they like it. Yeah, they, they like, like it. it eventually. That's Of course right. they do. <laughs> Deep down, all fathers like a fuss. I, um, <laughs> I went to uh, Haiti not too long ago, and it was my birthday, and they kind of rolled my birthday and Father's Day sort of into one thing. And before I left, probably about 12 of the kids, mostly the older ones, meaning older, like older than... 11 or 12, then mm-hmm. 11, 12, 14, 15, 16, 17. They all came up to me and just handed me these little pieces of paper. Some of them made envelopes out of another piece of paper. I love how they do this because they don't have envelopes. So they take one piece of paper Aww. and they kind of make it an envelope and then they uh, fold up the piece of paper that they want to give you and put it inside yeah. the other piece of paper envelope. It doesn't stick or anything, but the way it's Aww. folded, it's kind of like an envelope. So you take yeah. out the you take off the one outside wrapping piece of paper and then you get the inside one and these notes were the most beautiful tributes in their words to to me you know that any man could ever hope to receive and I realized they wrote things like, you know, I don't really know who my father, my real father is, but as far as I'm concerned, you are my real father and thank you Aww, for Mitch. being my father and and uh, it meant so much to me. And I've uh, here's how much it meant to me, Lisa. And you know me well enough to know this is. I went out and found a scrapbook. Okay, now I can tell uh-huh. you there are two words that never go together up to this point in life: Mitch and scrapbook. Okay, <laughs> no, I just don't do it. I found a scrapbook, and uh, my wife was in appalled. Hate. She was yeah. she was astonished. What, what what are you doing? I said I'm looking for a scrapbook. She said a scrapbook. You know my scrapbook is no no. I want a blank scrapbook. I want to make a scrapbook. <laughs> I think she fainted, uh, but I found one. And I took every one of these letters and I put it into, you know, the little plastic page, each one of its own, so that I will always have them. And I'm sure that all forms of fathers out there privately would do the same. Uh, So write those notes. Uh, Make your father happy the way that those kids in Haiti touched my heart and the way that I wish I could have been able to read what I read to you to my dad. And, and, And let's put an end to the taking for granted of Father's Day or the second-class holiday status of Father's Day because there's nothing second-class about a good dad, and uh, we need to appreciate them. So happy Father's Day to everybody this Sunday, uh, the fathers and those who are lucky enough to be their kids or their spouses. And happy Father's Day to you, Mitch. Thank you. Yes, You have many, many children over there. Many. Right, and I tell people I have... 53 children. <laughs> wow. A, okay. You can't even say, what, are you Catholic? Because that's, that's, you couldn't even do that if you were, if you were 10 Catholic. But uh, I, am, I am blessed to have children around and, uh, and even more blessed to know the, how they feel about me. And that's the key and what we're trying to get across today. Thank you for joining us today. We always appreciate getting a chance to share some of these lessons with you. You can go to our webpage, wetuesdaypeople.com, and find out more about the show and other podcasts and get in some of the discussion groups and see what we've talked about before and what we might be talking about coming up. 
We do this every week, and so, on behalf of Lisa Goich, uh, my friend and producer, I am Mitch Album saying we will see all of you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people.